Hey there guys, welcome back to another episode of Success, Lifestyle and Laughter with myself, Coach Rob Latibodier and Emma Hyman, the Posing Pro. We give you actionable steps in order to supercharge your life, whether it be in your business, sporting world, private life or relationships, you will get all of that in this podcast. We bring you lots of interesting, actionable content and interviews without the BS. So if you're looking for inspiration, motivation, and a bit of fun, this is the place to be. Okay, so we're here. We're with the wonderful Martin Robert Hall. Um, (laughs) What what is it that you do, Martin? I mean, you're an award-winning speaker. You're an author. You're a a business coach, high-performance coach. What You know, you've got all these accolades and... For the viewers who are listening who, who who don't know, I worked closely with you a few years ago, and uh, and I will tell everybody that you know I hold Martin in very very high esteem. He he um, helped me a lot in some of my formulative years of doing my coaching and and public speaking as well. And I've had a lot of tips and advice off him, and he's still someone I hold in very very high esteem. Um, so he's one of my early mentors as well as uh, another guy I've spoken about on previous podcasts who he knows as well, very, very well. Um, But Martin's um, helped me a hell of a lot. But what is it that you do, Martin? Tell us a little bit about your background from your point of view and what you do. Okay, good question, actually. Um, Mm. I think you've covered quite a few of the things Mm. there I do. If if we're talking about, before I go into my backstory, how do I, Mm. you know, how do I actually deliver the work that I do now? I suppose it's broken down into a few areas. Yes, I've written two books. So often that could be an entry point for somebody. And if you like, that's almost a brochure. It's read a book. If you enjoy reading, you read a book, you understand a bit about my philosophy, the concepts I talk about, the things I believe in. And like you say, it's all related to high performance. There's two areas I work in and they are business and sport. So professional sport and business. And what's interesting about both of those areas is my work is exactly the same in both of them. So the principles I'm talking about are related to people. They're just about people, about human behavior, about what drives human behavior, what drives high performance. And there's a lot of parallels between the two because we're just we're, we're talking about human beings with a different discipline. And so they might be in separate industries, but the principles that lead to high performance are very much the same. So they're the two areas that I work in. In those areas, I'll do a mixture of things. I might do one-to-one coaching with individuals. Um, that I do quite a bit of that in sport. I've done it across lots of different sports, from boxing to football to motorsport, athletics. And I do that in the business world too, one-to-one coaching with business owners, with leaders in a business, typically people that have more responsibility, if you like. And then I also do a combination of workshops uh, from keynotes at a conference to sort of half-day workshops and all the way up to two or three-day leadership training programs. So that's the, if you like, that's the delivery aspect of what I do. And then, um, I mean, I can talk about how I got into that, if you like, you know, and the well, combination. like I do, say, actually. It, sorry, carry on, carry on. Well, the, yeah, there's there's a link to 
for me, I came from a sports science background. So that's what, that's my starting point. So that's now the reason for me taking the sports psychology, high performance in sports ethos into the business world because I started in sport and then I gained knowledge in the business world and experience there. And then I linked the two and started right. my own business. So that's what I wanted to ask, but I wanted to take you further back, Martin. I wanted to okay. find out what we, because even I don't know this, what we like okay. at school, what we like at school, was it, was this something, you know, did, were you one of these that wanted to do something totally different and then fell into this? Or did you always have a little penchant for this? Or, or was it, you know, what was it? Did you want to be like a, 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 I don't know, an astronaut at school and then all of a sudden mm. you became a business coach or something? What, what did you, what was you like as a kid? Oh, that's really interesting, actually. So I, in those early years, I was, I was sporty, but I was, I was never good enough at sport to make a career out of it. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. And as I, as I got closer to the end of high school, I thought to myself that the subject that intrigued me and interested me the most was PE. And I, I saw myself as being a PE teacher. Mm. But, and and when I left school, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And some people, you know, there's a lot of pressure now. People say, you've got to find out what you want to do at a really young age. And I didn't have a clue. So when, when I actually left school, uh, some of a group of friends, not many, and they weren't my closest friends, but they were going to college to study sports science. And that was the first time I'd even thought about it. Mm. But I, when I asked them more questions about it, I just thought, that sounds something like up my street. And I don't know actually what I want to go and do next. So I'll just follow them and do that. And that's what I did. I, ju I just I, I, I just thought I'll, I'll go and study that too, because that sounds something that's interesting to me already. So I went and studied sports science at college. And then as part of that course, one day we came in and I think I'd had an appointment in the morning. It's funny how the memories you can you know remember quite vividly. And mm. I came in late. And they were talking about applying to university. And that's the first time I'd considered it. I thought, OK, so then we start. So we started looking at the courses available and and what universities. And so I had that discussion with friends. And so at that point, I wasn't necessarily I, w I wasn't clear myself. So I was being led by the people around me, really looking for inspiration and guidance from those. And then I went and looked at five universities and that is where then I made the decision to break away from that friends unit. And I went to a university separate from everybody else. And I suppose that was the first step in independence. And I went and studied sports science at university. But even at that point, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm. When I finished my degree, I went to a careers advisor. And this stays in my mind. I said I'd specialised in sports psychology. People always fascinated me. For, and that happened from a very young age in my life because my parents divorced when I was 10. So before I was in high school, um, I had a bit of a fractitious relationship with my dad. And just some of those areas, you know, those things at a young age, I think they just triggered this curiosity in people and behavior. So sport and then link that to sport, sports psychology. I said to this quiz advisor, I think that's the route I would be most suited for. That's the career line I'd like to go down. And then she painted the picture for me, which was I'd probably need to do a master's degree, a PhD, you know, and it was almost an extra 
at least six years study that she'd mm. sort of painted this journey for me. And that was not my plan. By the time I got to the end of university, my plan was to travel the world. And I'd already said to my friends, I, w- I was trying to round up friends to let's travel the world together. That's what we should go and do. Broaden our horizons. Let's go and travel. And everyone agreed and said, yeah, that's a great idea. And then what happened when I came home from university that summer and everyone goes back to their city where they live because mm. I traveled away. And most of my friends did. Everyone just disappeared. And all of these well-laid plans and that they'd said, oh, yeah, we'll go traveling. And mm. they just no one followed through. And that <laughs> really bugged me. That got to me because I thought, no, we, you know, we've said we're going to do something. Let's do it. Mm. What, what's stopping you? And so I just made the decision that I was going to travel on my own. And I worked for a year. And I worked in sales, I worked in a call center because I wasn't looking for a career at that point. I just wanted to earn money so I could travel. And mm. then um, I did. And I went and traveled for a year on my own and just obviously met people from all around the world. And I think, you know, those experiences open your mind. Yeah. And yeah. you naturally, yeah, you gain, you know, you gain experience just in life, people from different cultures. So all along these, you can see a bit of a trend with people and observing people and understanding different points of view. So it wasn't part of my, I'd I'd not planned that as this was all going to lead to my career. But when I look back, you can actually connect the dots and see that there was, there was a link. There was something I was interested in all along that I suppose was underneath all of my decisions, but I wasn't aware of it at the time. It was just your um, pure interest in people. Mm. And, yes. you know, different lifestyles and behaviours and clearly just an interest in, I don't know, maybe what makes what people makes tick. tick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what makes people tick. And yeah, and yeah. sport was just a really, in, in, you know, an interesting one for me because I grew up and, I, you know, I played sport and some of my friends were really talented athletes and, you know, some at professional level. And what I noticed around me was that it wasn't always the most talented people weren't always the ones that necessarily made a career out of it. And it was the less talented ones that seemed to go further. And I was just intrigued. What, you know, what is that about? What, why do some people seem to have enormous talent and potential not fulfill it? And then other people that don't seem to have that, they, they tend to make up for that in other areas. So that was interesting as well. But I think, you know, <laughs> I, I tell this story, I remember being at university, you know, final year of university, I was 20. And I can't remember how I came across this book, but I came across a book and it's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. So you can imagine, and I had that book in my bedroom and I shared a house with four friends. So you can imagine the stick I got as a 20 year old lad at university having a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. But so I, so the, the, then the bridge into, I suppose, the world, the work that I do now was reading. That was that was really then that was the next step. That was my next um, step from education, from formal education. It was reading from people that were actually in this industry and, under, and you know, and learning from them. And I took that then into into some of my work. Yeah. Just just going back there, you just said and um, you were just chatting about um a point where you said that it interested you about people that weren't necessarily the best at a sport but they naturally they weren't the best and have the best skill but they somehow became the best what can you go into that a little bit more and maybe what 
what you think that is that makes somebody yeah yeah absolutely so I mean now I have more insight into why that might be and some Mm -hmm. of the factors but and you look into this and you can actually find studies that I think there's there's a whole piece and I'm sure both of you have heard about the difference between fixed mindset and growth mindset and growth mindset is quite you know popular topic um, in lots of industries today now when you look at what growth mindset says about that it's that if you're naturally talented at something and you have a lot of early success what I've seen in professional sport is that and growing up is when it comes naturally to somebody it's not hard work so that they're at the top of the game they're winning and it's and it's actually quite effortless But then comes a point where, you know, at every level of professional sport, until you get to the very top, you're always being tested each step. So athletics is something that I was really interested in. And what you find is that the most talented sprinters, say, at 16, when they step up to the seniors, they may have been the best all through the age ranks. And then they get to seniors and suddenly they go from being first in the country to 200th. And they've never experienced that before. And that can be quite daunting. And the gap then to become the best is so big that people just, you know, you have to fight for every tiny margin then. And Mm. if you've not been used to fighting all through your childhood and through that youth, when you do have to, you haven't got the experience. You haven't got the reserves. you, You don't know how to do it. And so I think that's a big part of it. That's what, you know, it comes down to for a lot of people. And suddenly then, and and, and everyone's entitled to do this, suddenly then the motivation might not be as strong because what was once effortless and enjoyable now is a massive, arduous task. And suddenly when you see the work that's got to go into it, it might not be as appealing. And I think that's why a lot of people lose interest. And, you know, I've done a lot of work in football and that happens when, you get talented footballers and they get released from a professional football club at 15 or 16 and suddenly they don't want to do the work that is required to actually get a professional contract. Yeah. Yeah. I think that yeah, I can relate to that a lot in my sport that I do, um, which is bodybuilding. And you see that, like you'll see people that have effortless wins. They come into the game, they're new to it and they win and then they step up to the next level and it's a lot harder the demand is a lot more and they don't make it because I do think those failures they really help build a a strong mindset and determination and fight resilience resilience yeah Yeah. and like you said if if you know it's easy to you initially then you don't have that same fight no, absolutely. Well, you've not got experience mm. of having to fight before. And if you do that from a younger age, you know, th- and what also plays its part, and it did with me. So, I, I, you know, when I talk about athletics and sport, when I was early years, primary school, I just used to love to run. And actually, I won sports day, sprint race, every year until my final year at high school. And then, uh, primary school, sorry. And I went to high school and I was one of, you know, I was sort of smaller than a lot of people. And suddenly my athletic performance just completely was just overshadowed. There was no way I could compete. And I didn't grow physically 
really until I was about 16. And so I see that a lot as well, that actually people that if they've had to fight earlier and then they grow physically and develop physically at a later age, they've got the resilience, but suddenly now they've also got the physical prowess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a bit of personal experience in that myself. And I think from there, what that, that, what, how that's influenced my life today is that I've always kept myself fit and strong and, you know, that stayed with me for a long, long time. And it's habitual now, whereas, you know, I've seen people that were really talented at sports, really fit, fast, had everything at a young age and they get to adulthood and it's just, it's all gone. They don't maintain it because now it's work. It's hard work. Yeah. And I, t- I talk about that a lot with some of my clients as well. And it, it does resonate with me as that. But you talk about um, some of the work you do. You talk about the power of stories, you know, the, the, the power of stories. What, I, I want you to touch on that a little bit. What Because that can have a play, not just in business, but in sport and vice versa. How does what, What's your take on that? OK, it's a good question. I, I love stories. I mm. mean, stories are incredible. I use them a lot in my work because they engage the mind. They take people out of their current situation, give them a new perspective. And they, you know, if it's an it's an inspiring story they they engage us i mean we've been had we've had stories from day dot read to us you know for bedtime all through school so in stories have a great way of just engaging the brain taking you out of your situation and then relating some of the lessons from those stories back to you i've also now i've i've had my business i started my business um 10 years ago just over 10 years ago so some of the clients that I've worked with, I've been privileged enough to work with some clients that have amazing stories. And so I share some of my clients' stories as inspiration because I've actually been there working with them and on that journey. And so I have that unique insight of the hurdles and the steps along the way and the challenges they've had to face and overcome and the lessons they've learned. I also tell other people's stories of people I've never worked with and people that I don't know and and actually, in the business world, the sports analogy and the sports stories provide a great metaphor. And it's a way of communicating the message you want people to receive, you know, in, a, in an interesting way. Um, I've, you know, one of, I've got two athletes that I've done some work with, both with incredibly inspirational stories, but in different ways. One of them uh, came to me as a, a 22-year-old footballer. Uh, wanting to believing that actually could really develop the mental side of his game. So he was open-minded at 22. He was released from Manchester United at 15. He found another club. He he went to a few different clubs. So he, he had resilience and determination, but that's because he had a tough background. He's, his mum had a mental illness. He was moved away from home, went to live with his auntie, moved up to Manchester, um, you know, talented, got scouted by Manchester United, but in the end was deemed too small, even though very talented at 15 and got released. So had some tough experiences, adversity that helped build his resilience. So the statistics in football are something like, I mean, they're incredible. That 98% of people that get released don't make it in the game. At 16, they get released. And then... 98% of those that are still in the game 
from 16 to 21, there's only 2% left in those in the game from 21 onwards. Wow. I think so. It's really, you know, fine margins to make it. So this footballer, his name's Joe Thompson. He came to me at 22, just wanting to believe in he could develop his his mindset. Um, and that was an area of his game he could improve on in terms of confidence, being at his best more often, understanding his triggers, what what was he like at his best, and just really wanting to develop himself as a person. 22. And then, so we set some goals. The first start of the process I would do with any client like that is... On, Understand about the person. What is it you want to achieve? Always looking long term. So one of my favorite questions is, where do you want to be in 10 years time? Have you even thought about that? And 10 years time, by the way, it can be the whole of an athlete's career. So for a lot of people, your career is just starting at 22, maybe hasn't even started, hadn't started for me. But 10 years time for Joe from 22, his career is more or less over. And so we set some goals and a year later, he was doing really well. He'd got promoted with Rochdale. He then got um, chosen by another team. He got scouted by another team, got a move to another club, um, was doing really well there. And one day, he just didn't feel right. He was playing football for a few weeks. He didn't feel right. He, he didn't know what it was. He had a little girl on the way, and he went to he went for a, a, a checkup and found out he had cancer at 23, had blood cancer. Um so suddenly he's fighting for his life, told, you know, pretty much forget football, you'll never play football again. Um, and 12 months later, um, you know, part of that, the work then was giving him a positive focus to say, right, well, what, you know, what is it? Remember, these are, this is, these are your career goals. Yes, you're fighting for your life, but it's, it's he had a positive focus. So we worked on not just his cancer treatment but actually life beyond that because he had things he still wanted to achieve so he had a purpose that he still wanted to fulfill uh he came back from that um 12 months later started playing again it was really difficult to find a club that would accept him he, the club he was with actually released him cancelled his contract awful you know treated wow. really badly cancelled his contract he had to start again from the bottom build himself up he did so um he did really well, but, you know, went to a couple of different clubs, building up his strength and, you know, playing really well again, got a move back to Rochdale. And at 27, um, his little, you know, by then his little girl was uh, nearly four. He went for a routine scan and the doctor found something that th they thought was just a bit, you know, everything was going perfectly well, fit and well for three years uh, at his peak in terms of strength again. And then, a routine scan and he finds out the cancer's come back. So at 27, cancer's, cancer's come back. Mm. He's fighting for his life again. And this time, uh, he had to ha not just have chemotherapy, but stem cell therapy. Wow. And he, re he recovered from that in record time. Uh, 12 months to the day, he was playing again, which was, you know, deemed by the doctors a miracle. Mm. And he came back that, Christmas of 2017 and then and this was so last year going into 2018 that season towards the end of the season um, his club Rochdale were at the bottom of the league like fighting relegation mm -hmm. and on the final day of the season they they needed to win the game to stay up and one of the goals Joe and I had set when he was 22 was he wanted to 
you know, if you're a professional sports person, one of the things you want to do is you want to you want to create incredible moments, emotive moments, things that you'll remember, a lot of emotion, excitement. Mm-hmm. One of his was to score a goal of great significance, whether it is a you know a cup winning goal, a goal in a promotion game, you know, a really important goal that's celebrated around the world, let's say. And he finds himself on the bench for this final game of the season, and he comes on with 60 minutes to go. And in, with his first two touches, he scores the goal that saves his club from relegation. Mm-hmm. And the goal, you know, he got it got global press. Um, and, of, you know, some people say was, you know, that was almost like it's like a fairy tale. That was like, you know, it was destiny. meant to be. It was destiny. It was destined. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, mm-hmm. is that fate? Mm-hmm. Well, is it fate or was it design? Because actually mm-hmm. we um, um, sometimes some events, Joe is actually now, while Joe was in hospital, we talk about goals the second time he started writing a book because he said, you know, the reality is I, I might not survive. And if I don't want to leave my story, but I believe I will. And I want to tell my story and I want to inspire others. He's now an inspirational speaker. He's retired from football and he's wrote a book that sold thousands of copies. And, he, you know, he's now speaking in in football, in academies, in schools and businesses and he's living a new purpose now, telling his story to inspire others. But how? What an incredible, you know, story to tell in terms of just general day-to-day life. How many setbacks and challenges do people face in life? And I think a big part of what gets people through is there's lots of different reasons what what get people through. But what was running all the way through Joe's story was he always had a positive focus in the future something that he wanted to achieve now sadly when i went to visit him in in uh, the hospital in christie's there was a there was a young guy opposite him you know he's a teenager and i was asking joe about the other people on his ward and he said sadly he's spoken to this lad and he doesn't really have any hopes for the future and he doesn't really have that strong people around him so when joe asked him what is he going to do beyond this he said he couldn't see beyond it and the next time i spoke to joe this poor lad had lost his life. He didn't win his battle. And sometimes that's, you know, the power of purpose in life can sometimes mean the difference between life and death in in certain circumstances. And, you know, and and that, so, so that's a a big part of my work. It's helping people find out what's the direction they want to go in, you know, and that's people in in Mm. every industry. So, so yes, there's, there's a story of Joe and then there's a, you know, um, these up the story of Joe actually and uh, you've told it very eloquently there and and you also worked with um, Carly Tate as well isn't it who had a very inspirational story what can you briefly give us background of her story well yeah I've, I, I can do and um, yeah so I feel privileged really that I've, I've sort of played this this part in people's stories so Carly so if I go back to London 2012 Everyone was inspired by the Olympics. It had like this, I felt like it had this knock-on effect around the country. Mm. You know, you turn on the news in the morning, it was, wasn't the BBC breakfast, it was the BBC Olympic breakfast. We were talking <laughs> about how many gold medals we'd yeah. won. You know, it's positive. Yeah. For once, but, the start of the day on the news was positive. It's, you know, otherwise it's never the case. Mm. And so I think that breeds positivity. It's infectious. So people are talking about it. Now, Carly was going into work at the time in a marketing company, 26 years of age, not interested in sports whatsoever. And Carly had a condition called or does have a condition called cerebral palsy. 
So that mainly affects her coordination. It, it, some, it affects people in different ways, but for Carly, it affects mainly her coordination and legs. So she doesn't need a wheelchair, but she, you know, sometimes she needs a walking to be assisted. And she's going into work and wondering, why is everybody so obsessed with the Olympics? And then after the Olympics, the Paralympics came on and that swept the nation as well. And everybody was inspired by the Paralympics, maybe even more so because there's these incredibly, you know, disabled people, the people or, or people like paraplegics had lost a, a limb and they were representing the country and, you know, doing incredible things that some able-bodied people couldn't do. And she was so intrigued by how how inspired it had got the nation. She decided, I'm going to go and watch uh, one of the, see if I can get tickets to Olympic, the Paralympics. And so she did. She, she convinced her best friend. And the only tip, tip, tickets available were tip, tickets to the final, uh, the closing ceremony. And they were £500 each. And they were the only ones you could get. But she thought, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So let's go down there. So they, they went down there. And in one of the early races, she found out that three of the three or four of the people in one of the wheelchair races had cerebral palsy. And that blew her mind because she'd never even considered the fact that somebody with her condition could compete for their country in a sport. Because in Carly's own words, she said she started life 100 metres behind the start line from everybody else. So school especially anything physical PE was really difficult and you know school can be a brutal place when it comes to PE and how how do you select teams at school you yeah. get the two most talented athletes or you know the the two best performers and someone's they always left the at the end aren't they of course they either pick their friends or <laughs> they pick the best teams yeah. so Carly was always last and so she had a lot of challenges and therefore a lot of limiting beliefs about sport and exercise so by this time, she's 26, she's overweight, she smokes 20 fags a day, you know, she, she goes out three nights a week on the lash, and she's having a good time. She's living a life, 26, and that's the life, and she's having a good time. Mm -hmm. But she's so in, she gets to the closing ceremony of the Paralympic Games, she's so inspired by what she sees that she turns to her best friend and she says, you know, that's incredible. Why couldn't I do something like that? And sometimes you say things like that to your friends, and they laugh it off, and and then her best friend said, well, you can't do anything like that, Carly, because you've never done any exercise in your life and you smoke 20 fags a day. You know? <laughs> that's, why you can't do, that's why you can't do what these athletes do. Carly left the stadium and made a, de a decision that she told her friend. She said, you laugh, but in four years time, I'm going to be at the next Paralympic Games representing Great Britain. And it's an incredible thing to say. And people make statements like that, you know, often to friends. And it's very flippant. Throw away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You inspired. You say something crazy. <laughs> Carly comes back to Manchester. And fortunately for Carly, you know, this is the fortuitous bit of the story. She she works in Stockport and down the road, there's only five wheelchair racing coaches in the country. And one of them is down the road at Stockport Harriers. Mm -hmm. And she goes along to the athletics club on a Tuesday night and she starts training. And it was awful. It was, and she found it so, so difficult. And she was mortified and embarrassed, she said, after the first session. And even after the second and the third. And then it was raining. It was the winter in Manchester. It's November. It's freezing cold. It's raining. But she kept going back because she had this dream in, in the future, this goal that inspired her, this compelling vision that mm. she could actually do something that other people had done. 
become a Paralympian, even though most people that enter into Olympic or Paralympic sport, they've been doing the sport since they were in their teens. Yeah. And Carly's starting at 26. But I started working with her in 2013 because her first race season, she got incredibly nervous. And we started working to combat her nerves and help her mentally deal with the pressures of competition and those things. And our, of course, our relationship grew. And we used to meet probably once a month um, over the whole four-year period. And she got to 2016. By the way, her first race, her her best her PB in her first, her first races was around, in the 100-meter wheelchair race, was around 52 seconds. Wow. And the world record at the time was about 18. Wow. And wow. So that's how far off she was. <laughs> you know, that, is, that, that, that is like somebody trying to do the 100 meters. You know, Usain Bolt's got the world record for 9.58. That's like somebody starting with, you know, 20 seconds yeah. and saying, I'm going to catch up Usain Bolt. Yeah. And by the time she got around to 2016, she got a personal best down to 19 seconds. Wow. And it was enough to get her to the European Championships, win two silver medals, and enough to get earn her by the skin of her teeth the wild card uh, place on the Great Britain squad on the plane. And she went to Rio. And a year later, she went to the World Championships. And she didn't win a medal because her field alone in Great Britain was incredibly competitive, never mind around the world. Mm. But to have that experience oh. and to have done something like that mm. shows yeah. again the pa- well. There's a couple of things. It shows the power of having such a positive focus in the future, the power of goal setting, but it also shows the power of having of having inspirational people around you from learning from other people and saying, well, if they've done that, why couldn't I do something yeah. similar? You yeah. know, it's gaining inspiration from role models, isn't it? Yeah. I think there are two big things out of Carly's story yeah. that stay with me anyway. And yeah, there's stories like that that I tell all of the time and, I think when people hear those stories, it does start to change that narrative in people's heads where they start to say, well, maybe I could do something great, too. Maybe I can I could achieve something that I've always wanted to do. And everyone it, it does, you don't I say you don't have to now decide to go and run a marathon or be, try and become an Olympian or Paralympian or professional sports person. But what is it there's inside of you that you want to do? You've been telling yourself for years you can't you can't achieve that. Yeah. there's examples all around us of people yeah. that have and it really is like you were saying before it's like either you've got a growth mindset or you've got a fixed one you know and it's really just allowing yourself to open up your mind and yeah. you know believe that you you can do something that you set your mind to um that, yeah that's right Emma and you know a lot of the clients that come to me that you know maybe it's for it's for business coaching but actually what I'm seeing in the last few years, the main trend is that people are more interested in personal growth. Yes. And what they realize now is the best investment they can make is in themselves. Absolutely. And having somebody, um, you know, a coach or a mentor it, that's going to challenge you, ask you questions, get you to think differently and then hold you accountable and give you a bit of a push too. Yeah. but somebody that's always got your back. You know, that is going to do more for your progress and for your ambition and, and move you further towards the success that you want, whatever that looks like, than, you know, anything else will. Because we all need people around us that will push us. And I have my own coach and mentor because, you know, I think 
what I've learned in my last book I wrote about leadership. And I have a mantra at the moment that, you know, and I run a whole two-day training program around this. And the whole theme of it is that leadership is not a position. It's not a title. Leadership is a mindset. And that starts yeah. with ourselves. And actually, that mindset is about always trying to grow and improve. And if we have that mindset, then you might not want to become a world champion or an Olympian or Paralympian or the best in the world at something. But I think most people gain a lot of satisfaction about just improvement. And that's growth mindset. Growth mindset is just is saying that actually you can continuously improve the more you invest in yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's something that I think, uh, you know, all successful people have in common. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's about believing that you can improve continuously ad infinitum you know, on and on. And I think a lot of people, a lot of the clients I work with, sometimes, you know, they get out of school, they get to that 16, 17, 18, 19, sort of 20 area, and they kind of believe that, well, I'm as I'm as bright as I'm going to be, I'm as good as I'm going to yes. be, I've moved on as far as I'm going to get, I can't be that guy over there or that guy, girl over there, I'm, I'm as good as what I've got. That's it. And that's the fixed mindset. And then once you unlock that and they get that belief that actually I can learn, I can develop, I can grow, I can change. They can open up doors that they they don't. I think we spoke on the phone a a couple of months ago. I can't remember when it was about this sort of thing. And the surprise that so many people out there do believe, have a lack of belief about growing, even clients who you know, I've got clients who turn over a couple of million pound or three, four million pound businesses, but they think that even they're at the limit and that yes, they can't grow even absolutely. more. And I think that's the most important, you know, characteristic for somebody to have. It's And it's really relevant today because what you have today is you have a lot of comparison, you know, with the, with the rise of social media, mm. um, you're getting a lot of people that look at look to the next person and judge themselves on where they should be or how well they are doing when actually the measure is look at your own path are you improving are you growing and it's funny because i think the most important is yes investing in yourself and and that for me the you know one of the best ways to do that is continuous learning it's Mm. and that's and when i look back at my own journey that really resonates It's, it's so true because in school i wasn't that engaged and I had tough things going on in my life outside of school. And maybe that's why I, I maybe wasn't as engaged. But I just wasn't as engaged in some of the subjects. I wasn't very studious. Mm. But when I left school, when I found topics that interested me, I realized that actually, you know, I, I do like to read books. I didn't think I, I'd, I'd like to read books because those texts were ones that I was made to read as part of studying certain you know exams and then at university and books I wasn't really interested in but when I discovered books about things like mindset communication leadership business sport autobiographies they really interest me and so that's one thing I've been doing probably from 20 just continuous learning and I think everybody can do that but some people I don't think they choose this consciously but they maybe get to a certain age they leave school college university and they they unwittingly just think 
well, maybe that's where the learning stops. And the only other learning I will do is professional learning for a specific career. So I might go down this route and skill myself up in this area Mm -hmm. and learn about that chosen path, but not learn about myself, not learn about, you know, communication, soft skills, learn how other people have achieved their goals and journeys. And it's just having an open mind. And I think if that's your starting point, then like you said, Rob, the progress then the where is the limit you don't know where the limit is yeah well i'm you know i've knocked on that door of 50 now and uh it's um and, you know, and, my, and i need to come to you when i'm 50 and, and, and ask you how you done it how you look, <laughs> how you're looking so good at that age you know what everybody you know? says that to me and it's like uh, <laughs> uh i just say you know it's Drink lots of water. That's my secret. Drink <laughs> lots of water. I don't know. That, maybe a bit of genetics is in there. I don't know. But um, the last five or six years, I've grown so much and I've learned so much. And even off people like yourself and other um, people I've had the pleasure of working with, especially in the last couple of years. Um, and I think that I've grown more knowledge wise in the particular subject than I've done in the previous in fact, I'd probably go back 20 years until I wow. days. So it totally resonates with what you're saying and what I teach as well. It, it doesn't matter. But if you find something you're interested in, you can grow it exponentially. You can grow and develop beyond what you believe you can actually do. Absolutely. You know, it's and some of the some of the um, maximums feel like are quite cheesy in that every day is a school day. But I genuinely believe that if you have that mindset where you're always looking to grow and learn, there's experiences every single day which mm. you can learn from if you've got if you've got that mentality. Absolutely. So yeah. and, and one of the things this is my mentor said to me when we first started working, working together and I find myself coaching a lot of not just business owners, but senior people, the more responsibility they've got. That the, fir- the most important time you must spend each week and the first appointment in your diary should be with yourself. And it's actually just a chance to reflect. I think people spend so much time in the doing that they don't have time to necessarily stop. And the, the things that get done are the things that are urgent and important. So that is the things that actually, you know, whatever discipline you're in, whatever whatever career you're in, they're the things that have to be done as part of your work. But then it's it's actually stopping to invest in the other things, your own growth, your own learning, reading books, chance to reflect, reflect and learn. And I think more people are aware of this now and spend more time actually stopping and thinking and reflecting. But that's where you learn and discover and that's where you grow and that's where you become more aware, not of just of yourself, but of other people. Awesome. I love that. I just want to, um, we've got a couple of questions that we want to end with because we normally start with these quick fire questions. We didn't get a chance at the beginning. So I want to end with them. But before I do that, I just want to quickly ask you because I know that you've become a new father as I I also. And, uh, you know, mine's very late in the day. Um, But for young people listening now, you know, we've talked mindset, growth, mindset, positivity, all that sort of stuff. And that's what I do. That's what you do. And it's, mm. you know, it's all well and good. But, you know, to young people coming through now, what advice would you give them? Because you've got a son now. I've got a daughter. You know, I'm already uh, people laugh at me and my 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 missus 
knows what I'm like, but my friends laugh at me because I'm she's she's now just eleven months and I'm already whispering in her ear, You are a winner. You will yes. you will be successful. You are a winner. <laughs> you will be happy. That's one of the main ones I whisper to her, you will be happy. Because to me that is more important than anything else. But you know, not just your son, but young people today coming through. And if there's some young people watching this now and listening to this, you know, what kind of advice in generalistic terms would you you give to them in terms of, you know, we've talked about reading and developing and stuff like that. Is that what you'd leave them with? Or is there anything else that words of wisdom you want to give? I think that depend. you know, when we talk about young people, I think what really helped me, but I, I see, and I didn't necessarily have, tons of this but i think it's about go and gain experience go and try things Mm. that's the number that would be the number one that you know for my son that's what i'll encourage him to do go and get experience go go and try things i you know for me travel really helped me do that i I moved away to university travel and then it was reading but go and expand your mind try things don't be scared about uh, you know having to get a result and be the best at something just go and experience, get lots of different experience, broaden your mind. I think that's the starting point. Yeah. And of course, and, and then you've got more chance of actually finding something that really, you know, drives you. Really, yeah. That, that fulfills mm. you, that interests you, that ca- yeah. captivates you. Mm. I think that because everybody's different. So there's, there's no, there's not one path is there for, for anybody. It's yeah. everyone's got to find their own. And I think, it's really hard to do that from a limited perspective. So go out there, try lots of different things. Don't mm. be scared about the results you get. Just go and try them for trying them. Say, gain experience. And and then you'll be able to make your own decisions. Mm. Brilliant. Because so, you'll, you'll know yeah. yourself. That's such powerful words. I because that's really great advice. <clears throat> I think now I'm older and I have tried lots of stuff and failed at yeah. lots of stuff. But what I found now working with clients is some of the experiences I've had has enabled me to help them because I've done that stuff and failed it. Absolutely. Do you know? Yeah, and you know what? Yeah. You, you, when you look back, you never regret the things. You, well, yeah. you don't regret the things you've done as much as you regret the things you haven't done. Yes. And there's a, there's actually there's a lot of text about that as well. You know, people that have spent time with. There's one paper called "The Five Regrets of the Dying," written by a lady who spent many years with people at the latter stages of their life, and she wrote a paper a summary of the five lessons. And one of them is, you know, most people regret the things they haven't done, not the things they have done. So yes. try things because that's all you'll take with you. Mm. You can't take the money, the houses, whatever it is. You can't yeah. take belongings. Mm. But the one thing you'll have, you know, all the way through your life is your memories and Absolutely. your experiences. Mm. So. And um, I think Tony Robbins, who, you know, I've studied a lot of, he, he talks a lot about that. And Gary V is yeah. quoted a lot about that as well, talking right. about old people talking about, you know, um, when they're on their deathbed, they never say, um, oh, I wish I'd have spent more time in bed or, you know, I wish I'd have watched exactly. that, that Coronation Street omnibus, you know. You know, missed out on that series of program or whatever my favourite. Of course. Program. Nobody cares course. when they're, they're on the last legs. It's about, like you say, experiences, living, meeting people, travelling. Stories. Seeing people. Stories. Yeah. Stories. You talked about Story. stories earlier. I say, you know, one of my beliefs is everybody's creating their own story. They're mm. writing their own life story. 
And I believe that there's definitely a book in everybody. But if you look at that, your timeline of your life is is a story. Mm-hmm. And so you true. know, you take some people's story starts out. They know exactly what they want to do uh, from a young age. My partner's a singer, and she she's been doing that since she was five or six years of age, and she just knew. But that is very rare. Yeah. And 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 and. Everyone's got a life story. And some people, it's in a straight line. They know from a young age and they follow that story to the very end. And other people takes lots of twists and turns, you know, and everybody's story is different. But you've got to, you know, go. If you think of your life as a story, go and write a good one. Yes. That's it. Love it. Love yes. that. Love I that. Love so you, yeah. So that, you, might be, that might be the quote of this podcast. I think I might put that on the. Make the that advert, the title. Make that the title. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. I love that. That so, was amazing. So Should listen, we do our quick fire round? Yeah, what we're going to do is um, we're going to end with the beginning in yes, mind. We've gone love with that. it. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Well, let's with... mix it up. So, so we'll up. go with our five questions. You've got um, two, Three, two, two minutes. Two minutes to answer them, so nice quick answers. Um, okay. okay, first question. If money was no object, where would you go in the world? That's a really good question. It was no object. Money and time. You know, you, you didn't have to worry about work. didn't have to worry about money. You could get on a plane, go anywhere you want in the world. Where would you go? I've Well, I've been fortunate enough to travel quite a lot. But the place I've not been and I'd really like to spend some time is South America. Oh. oh. South America. Brazil. Yeah. Brazil, probably. Uh, starting point. Yeah. Spend a lot of time there. Cool. Okay, Amazing. next one. So you jump in the car, as you probably do every day. What's your go-to music? What does Martin Paul <laughs> listen to in the car? Okay. Right, so I've got, if you're talking music, two radio stations I go to, depending on what, how I'm feeling, the mood I'm on, and that's probably Radio 1 and Radio 2. Radio 2 is a bit more soothing music. If I'm in that soothing mood, Radio 1, if I want something a bit more upbeat, them are two go-to music stations Mm. and actually i like listening to the radio over now listening to my own music so i do have some playlists on spotify Mm -hmm. that i put on from time to time but i like the variety of not knowing what i'm going to get get. yes yeah i like that have you noticed i found that people have that more as they get older i don't i don't know if it's that that need for variety or you know the unknown or what? Right. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to so, study that. So I've had that for a few years. And, and then I also have talk sport and five live for, a bit of, yeah. you know, a bit of news and sport and talk shows and discussion. So a bit of balance. Yeah. Love it. Super. Next question. Can you describe yourself in three to five words? Positive, ambitious, encouraging. Oh, nice. Happy. And um, what is your, who is your biggest influence in life and why? Mm, that's a great question. There, there is not just one influence for me. Biggest one. In, in fact, if I had to put it down to one person, it'd have to be my mom. Probably be my biggest <laughs> influence. <laughs> and why because she taught me from a very young age to have 
self-confidence and and actually to do what I wanted to do and in fact both both my mum and my dad did that and I could do what I wanted to do and I'd always be loved for that I didn't have to follow a particular route so go and find what you want to do and if that makes me happy they're happy awesome but my mum instilled that in me I that think, was her that was just her mindset I think so far on every interview that's always been a parent and I think yeah. that's really others yeah they have that's it um, yeah. yeah, and that's actually, it's really difficult to, to think about that. It because is. Because I've, I've had so many, I've had so many influences of friends, my mm. best friend as well, huge influence on me, huge mm. influence, really inspirational guy. Um, so, mum and best friend, cool. probably the same as everybody else. <laughs> last question Ooh. What would be your last, if you can only make one more post on social media? You can talk to the world once more and that's it. What's that post? What's your message? Stop talking, start walking. Yes. Ooh, Ooh I like that. We I like, like that. it. Because well, listen, when all is said and done, more awesome. is said than done. Absolutely. I like so it. just go, yeah, just do it. Stop talking. Start walking. Awesome. Martin, it's been amazing. <laughs> I have absolutely loved this. I, like, mean, you, I feel like we could just like do like a five-hour podcast we could have gone on and on we could have we could have gone a lot deeper we definitely need to get you back on that's for sure i've got a list of questions we've only touched on them we're gonna have to get i've got more as well (laughs) fantastic honestly guys it's a pleasure you know it's been really easy to talk to you i've loved it i hope all the listeners um gain something from it and i'd love to come back Great. So tell the listeners, how can they get hold of you? What's your socials? What's your website? Where where can they, what's your book? What where can yeah. they read more about they, you? They can read everything about me. Website, martinroberthall.co.uk. Books are on there. Or probably most active social media is Twitter. Mm-hmm. And again, handle is Martin R. Hall, but just search Martin Robert Hall and you'll find on Twitter and get access to me on, on those two platforms. Brilliant. Amazing. Thank Amazing. you so, so much for Loved your it. time. Whoop, whoop. That was awesome. Yeah. As I knew it would Brilliant, be. Guys. Um, like I said, one of the guys who, if I was answering that question, would have had a big influence on me for a while as well later on in my life. Martin Robert Hall, thank you very much for gracing us. Cheers, Robert. Appreciate that, mate. Loved it, mate. And um, I will speak to you shortly. Thanks a lot. Speak soon, mate. Thank you, Martin. Take care. Take care, Bye-bye. mate. Take care, Robs. Bye-bye. Hi, guys. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please, please leave a positive review. And if there's any topics you want us to cover, drop it in the comments. And if you could share this with your friends, it would really mean so, so much to us. Thank you so much for listening. We can't wait to share the next episode with you. And if you want to know any more about us, you can find us on all social media platforms. Just drop by and say hello.